0: This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by the classic mystery board game Clue. Clue. I fucking love Clue. Hello, my name is Chris. My
1: name is Kelsey.
0: And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. This week, (laughs) 1972's Silent Night, Bloody Night, and... Kelsey, what's the second movie that we're watching this week?
1: 2015's Dismembering Christmas.
0: All right. Okay. <laughs> I can't decide if I'm looking forward to that or not. I don't have any idea what it's about. No idea either. And to be honest with you, I don't know what Silent Night Bloody Night was about. <laughs> <either>. <laughs> all right, all right. As a teaser before we pause to watch the movie. Kelsey. Yes. What is the premise of Silent Night Bloody Night? Can you do it? I think I can. So <laughs> There's an old man who owns this house where weird shit happens. He gives it to his grandson when he passes away and requests that it not be demolished. But the grandson decides to sell it and a lot of weird shit starts happening. That is as good as we're going to get people. <laughs> It's probably the best you're going to get for the rest of this segment. (laughs) If you haven't seen it yet, Silent Night, Bloody Night, which was directed by Theodore Gershuni? Gershuni? (laughs) Written by the same person with the name. And Jeffrey Convitz and Ira Teller is actually part of the public domain. So you can just go ahead and watch it on youtube now you're going to find it there's one that's in hd and everything well as hd as it can be widescreen it's gonna start and you're gonna think that you have a bad copy but i promise you that's the way it starts (laughs) so go ahead and watch it right now and when we come back we'll talk about 1972's silent night bloody night it was the night before christmas and all through the house, not a creature was
1: left living. His hands. Somebody cut off his hands.
0: Silent Night, Bloody Night, starring Patrick O'Neill and Astrid Heron. Yeah, Butler wasn't kidding. Nobody's lived here for years. Don't laugh at me. I want your ID. Some maniac escaped from Margaretville. Would you like to drive there? Also starring John Carradine. Was the night
1: before Christmas. And all through the house, not a creature was left living. Silent night.
0: Bloody night. Kelsey? Yes? This movie barely takes place at Christmas. Why is it called Silent Night, Bloody Night? There is a song that people sing... No, it, they, it
1: happens on Christmas. They sing
0: Silent Night throughout the movie. Yes. Other than them singing Silent Night, I didn't catch a single reference to Christmas. Oh, there were a bunch. Uh, maybe in like the decorations and stuff?
1: Decorations. Who says
0: anything about Christmas?
1: Wrapping paper, Christmas trees.
0: All right. You saw a lot more than I did.
1: <gasps> Would you like to tell the listeners why you had such trouble focusing on this movie.
0: Okay, listen. So like like we do sometimes we watch this movie inebriated. And I don't know if that made it to where I couldn't follow it or made it better because this movie is absolute utter fucking nonsense. <laughs> this is a crazy movie and I think I might have enjoyed it more because we were intoxicated at the time.
1: I loved this. movie. <laughs> Make no mistake; it's a terrible. Film. It's a terrible movie. It's it's awful. But I
0: think I I, I think I liked it too. And I th- at the end, you and I kind of both came to the same conclusion, which is why isn't this movie a mystery science theater movie? It really, really should be.
1: <laughs> yes, this should be a mystery science theater movie, and I am shocked shocked that I've never heard of it before because this is this is on par with The Room. Like I'm surprised this movie does not have as much of a cult following and
0: I don't know if I'd say it's on par with The Room.
1: Oh, I would. It is off the walls bizarre and the dialogue <laughs> is so terrible. I don't know how they got English speakers to speak these lines and not turn to the the director and be like, what the fuck did I just say?
0: So I I have a note here that says that this movie feels French. It's not. It's an American film. (laughs) But it feels like 70s French, Mm -hmm. like it's supposed to be a little bit out there. I don't know if this was intentional or not. I don't know if it's just they tried to sound clever and it came off as nonsense or if it was just so enrapturing. <laughs> probably because it was nonsense. Like, I was laser focused on this movie and I have practically no idea what happened. <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about what happened. I'm going to try my best to get through the plot As quickly and accurately as I can.
1: Okay.
0: So, old man who owned this house dies. He leaves it to his grandson. We don't know why yet. But he leaves it to his grandson. The grandson decides he's ready to sell. So he sends his realtor up, who is there with his side piece or something. I don't know. It doesn't matter. They die, like, right away. (laughs) They're murdered practically right away. And then... For whatever reason, grandson was also just there. (laughs) He was also there to see the place or whatever. They decide to sell to the city and the city is really excited to buy this piece of property and we don't know why. We think the plan is that they're going to bulldoze it. One by one.
1: We know that something bad happened there.
0: Yes, and we do the, know that. But, but they just want to get rid of the place. Kids and shit are always causing trouble over there and, and all this stuff. There's a caretaker that's been taking care of the place this entire time.
1: Keeping it exactly as it was left because that right. was part of the guy's...
0: Wishes. Yeah. Yeah. And, ah, Jesus. Okay. <clears throat> then people start getting phone calls <laughs> from somebody who claims to be the original owner's daughter. But is not.
1: <laughs> it's very clear too. Like Oh, it's
0: obviously a dude. It's obviously to a male's a voice, yeah. and I was just
1: like, wait, are we supposed to think this is a woman's voice?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I have come back. What's that? Yes. I want to see you again. Hello? Pardon? Who is this? Who? Huh? Okay, keep going, keep going, keep going. All right, so he invites people up to the place to come see the place. I'm back. Come see the place with me. And they're all dying left and right. There's the guy who owns the newspaper who communicates through raspy breaths and ringing of a bell. And, like, that's it. And... (laughs) There's the
1: mayor. Why we don't know. There's
0: the mayor. There's the chief of of police, and there's the woman who controls all the phone lines. She works for the phone company, and she's the main switchboard person. We call her
1: the communications
0: director. And everybody fucking dies. There's the there's the daughter of the mayor as well. She's kind of the audience surrogate. She's the initial narrator, but this movie's got three of them. It's got three narrators (laughs) for whatever reason. We get extra narrators when we're reading things like the will and a news report in the newspaper. We get different narrators for that kind of stuff. Here's the twist. The twist that we find out is the original owner was sexually molesting his daughter. Raping. Yes. Was raping his daughter. And she was losing it. So he turned his house into an asylum. Well,
1: you forgot she gets pregnant and She, has she doesn't the give grandson. birth until
0: afterwards. I don't think. I didn't think.
1: Pretty sure she has the... It doesn't fucking matter.
0: <laughs> she gets pregnant. She gets pregnant. She has the kid. And that's the grandson that we meet later on. And he doesn't know any of this. Mm-hmm. And... Anyway, the dad decides he loves his daughter so much and the people that are running the asylum are such rich assholes that he decides this place is ridiculous and I'm going to break her out. Except he doesn't. He breaks everyone else out, who then proceed to kill all the rich psychiatry people and his daughter. Fucking why he didn't take her with him, I don't know. (laughs) And then he proceeds to go... Live in other insane asylums. Because
1: that's all he deserves.
0: Because that's all he deserves to, to live, and, and everyone thinks he's dead.
1: Live in, I believe the line is, anonymity... As an animal.
0: Yes. <laughs> and so, turns out, he's the one that's pretending to be his daughter. He's the one that's killing everyone. Like,
1: he wears a wig and shit, like, Yeah, a psycho. But the
0: grandson gets all wrapped up into it, too. And so, like, fucking everybody dies, except for the daughter of the mayor. And, I missed the best part of the twist, the mayor, the lady who at the telephone place, the newspaper guy, the chief of police, they're all the inmates! <laughs>
1: Which, when you think about it afterwards, maybe that's why the dialogue is so
0: weird. Because they're they're all all fucking crazy? crazy?
1: That would be. Mind blown. That's what I was thinking afterwards.
0: Mind blown. I forgot that I had that thought. Oh my god, Kelsey, you just blew my mind. (laughs) (laughs) This movie is nuts. (laughs) It ends. Like several times, I turned to Kelsey, mouth agape. <laughs> is this really happening? <laughs> and at the end of the movie, we get the narrator, the daughter of the mayor, who just comes to see the place again. It's how the movie starts before it is bulldozed. End of movie. <laughs> Everybody dies. <laughs> and the telephone chick had a lot of birds. <laughs> because she's crazy. She's crazy. Well, they're all crazy.
1: But that's that's actually part of the whole like Christmas thing. Because at one point, I think it's the mayor's daughter. But it might have been the chick who takes over for her. No, it was. No, it wasn't. It's the mayor's daughter. You see her wrapping presents. And she's wrapping up a birdcage. And I wrote it down because I was like, what the fuck? Who just gives a birdcage? Like, hope you get a bird. And then you
0: find out later, oh, no, she's just got a billion birds because she's a crazy person. So this movie does have kind of a following. The reason is, is, okay, so it fell into obscurity. It fell into uh, public domain. It was a drive-in type movie. Then it was played on uh, Movie Macabre in 1981, Elvira. And it started getting this more underground cult following, but obviously not big enough because I never knew this movie existed.
1: I've never heard of it before.
0: No, but apparently a lot of people do. If you knew this movie existed, tell us your thoughts. Yes. Email us podcemetery at gmail dot com. I want to know your thoughts. I need to know your thoughts.
1: This movie is amazing. <laughs> I I cannot wait to watch this again next year. Basically, because it is. Fantastic. I've already told some of my friends that they need to watch it
0: because it's so awesome. It's it's filmed really jarringly. Oh, yeah. So so when when it first starts, like I said, if you're watching this on YouTube, you're going to think you're watching – it's it's messed up. You're coming in the middle of the movie. Nope. That's how it starts. <laughs> it starts with a weird jump cut from nothing. Like, I didn't know you could jump cut from nothing, but they pulled it off. <laughs> and then dialogue – Of the narrator talking and it's like, wait, what are we talking about? And then the title credit (laughs) title screen comes on and it says Death House, which you didn't watch the wrong movie. That's the right movie. It was one of its names.
1: Yeah, it had three different names.
0: Yeah, Uh, it had tons of POV shots that were really, really jarring. (laughs) I wouldn't say tons of POV shots, but all of them were jarring, (laughs) Uh, especially early on. I said, Jesus, that first POV shot was jarring. That's what this movie is, jarring. If I was to describe this movie in one word, it would be jarring. Basically, between every scene, it's a jump cut. Like, the music is playing... And as soon as the the scene changes, the music cuts off. It doesn't matter if it's a good place for the music to cut off. It's just, it changes.
1: And the music is super loud all the time. And Mm -hmm. it plays in inappropriate times. And you're just like, I feel like I'm supposed to be on the edge of my seat. But there's nothing to be on the edge of my seat for right now. And it does. It plays Silent Night
0: all the time. Over and over and over again. (laughs) So I guess that's where it gets its title from. Mm -hmm. Speaking of POV... It is actually a pretty early example of POV shots in a horror movie. This is 1972. And it was made in 1970. Yeah, it was made in 1970, yes. Which is before Halloween.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think one of the greatest things about us doing this whole podcast thing yeah, is that we're learning that we thought we knew a lot about horror and its history. And we're learning... All kinds of movies were doing this kind of stuff way before the big famous ones yeah. were. Yeah,
0: hmm I mean, Black Christmas, Silent Night, Bloody Night, all these POV shots that come before what we traditionally think of as, like, the primary example of POV and horror movies. So, really interesting. The phone calls, not quite as extreme as Black Christmas, but- Really fucking creepy. Specifically, um, I wrote that down with two exclamation points when he was talking to the phone lady. <laughs> I don't know what he says. I'll play it right here. Tess,
1: I want to see you
0: again. Whatever that was, I'm sure it was really creepy.
1: It's something about <laughs> Tess. It's Marianne. He says that a bunch of times. Yeah. And I, I kept turning to Chris and just being like, we know it's a guy. Why Why are we pretending like it's a girl? <laughs>
0: It's full of exposition dumps.
1: Oh, my God. Full. Constantly. Because there's so much backstory to this movie, because not a whole hell of a lot happens in the now. There's right. just a whole bunch of shit that happens in the past, and there is a long-ass scene. Flashback? That is flashback. Yeah,
0: uh-huh. And the way they film the flashback is great, though. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I it's wrote- like a 30s movie, silent film style, where we hear... The story, apparently, the grandfather, the one who, the owner of the place, he left a letter that the grandson reads, but the letter wasn't written to anybody. It was just written to ease his conscience, and he hid it away, and the grandson found it, and that's how all this backstory is revealed. And the fact that your grandpa is your daddy.
1: So I specifically wrote down the flashback is ahead of its time, for sure.
0: Yeah, very much so.
1: And yet then it goes on and on and you're just sitting there with your eyes widening as it just plays out this bizarre story.
0: So the psychiatrists, the people who run the asylum are just gorging themselves at dinner. The grandfather leaves and uh, I mean, slash father leaves and this is where he decides he's gonna break everyone out of the asylum and get his daughter killed. <laughs> and the the inmates come into this room, and all of the people that run the place are just passed out from
1: except for one
0: overeating. What is sitting drunk. there?
1: And I'm pretty sure it's a dude dressed as a woman. Who cares? But
0: it it happened. Yeah. But and
1: he's just sitting there watching it all happen. He does fucking nothing.
0: Really? I didn't notice that.
1: Yeah, no, I wrote it down. I was like, this is so strange.
0: So one of the inmates who seems to be leading all the rest of them, like, breaks a wine glass and then puts it over a dude's eye and just kind of, like, waits for him to wake up? And his eye opens, and then he shoves the glass into his eye. And you see, from that dude's point of view, the glass and it filling up with blood. And it was a really cool shot. But it was so bizarre the way it happened. And as soon as he does that, he gives a signal to the rest of them to kill all the others. And they do. And it's just a massacre. It is a, it is so strange. <laughs> so weird. Okay, speaking of weird, <laughs> this is kind of one long lightning round here <laughs> yeah speaking of weird this has a really weird sort of anti-comedy joke a little bit it's 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 really bizarre the person insists the keeper i guess the dad it's the dad yeah in- insists wilfred butler yes <laughs> insists to test the phone lady that he's Marianne, right? Yes. And then when they finally meet up with each other, insists that she take his hand. Take my hand, uh, take it, Tess. Uh, uh, and it's this "take my wife, please" kind of moment where she takes his hand, and it's just the severed hand of the bell dude. <laughs> She's like, ah! <laughs> yeah, hey, take my hand. No, I'm good. No, seriously, take it. No, no, I'm good. Bitch, this joke won't work unless you take my hand. <laughs> yeah. It's so bizarre. Should I just get into my it? Get, just get into it. Okay. Why do we have to have a structure? The movie didn't.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. So when you find out in the very beginning of the movie, when you're first told that Wilfred Butler dies. Yes. Do you remember how they explain how he fucking died?
0: He accidentally caught fire and then he runs out into and the we, snow.
1: We get the shot, we get the shot. We see it happen. Of him running out into the snow on fire and he doesn't he doesn't drop and roll. He just nothing. Face
0: plants into the snow and kind of shakes around a little bit with his back on fire there's, and then There's no reason for him to die. He dies.
1: There is no reason for him to die. If he fell into the fucking snow and rolled around, he'd be fucking fine, first of all. Second of all, how do you just catch yourself on fire on accident? Yeah.
0: I don't know. It was, it was just... So bizarre. So, speaking of Toman, the bell guy, the the guy who runs the newspaper and speaks with the bell, he gets his hands cut off. Like I said, that's the hand that, that Tess... Is, is handed. He's freaking out and he runs into the road when our protagonist, the, the son and the daughter of the mayor, are driving up the road to get to the house. Fucking finally. They're like the last ones to get there.
1: <laughs>
0: and dude hits Toman. She's like, watch out. Jeff, look. Yes. What is that? <laughs> and he's like, huh? <laughs> Whatever do you mean? And then. Just hits the dude and he rolls down the hill, and then climbs down to him and checks his pulse for what must have been three hours, and then says he's dead. He's dead.
1: At this okay? So at this point, we don't know that it's Wilfred Butler, and you kind—well, I thought that it it could be the grandson at that point. I think
0: his name is—is is it Jeffrey? I don't know. Let me let me check. Yeah, Jeffrey Butler. Yeah. Listen,
1: but when he hit the guy, you have to understand this movie is so confusing and hard to follow. I had to turn to Chris and be like, did he do that on purpose? And Chris was like, I don't know.
0: <laughs> I don't think so because he doesn't he doesn't lose it until he reads that letter about right. his grandfather/slash father. But
1: how do you just act? He hit somebody! Uh,
0: No, no, it was really bad. He had a good five seconds between her warning him and him hitting the dude. Jeff, look! So anyway, the conversation that happens is nuts. And one of the epitomes of the dialogue being so weird in this movie. So they just killed (laughs) Toman. And as you and I know... Toman does not have hands anymore. <laughs> he says, Someone cut off his hands. <laughs> Hearing that, she responds with, You killed him. <laughs> and she gets really upset with him. Hearing that, he responds with, Get in the car.
1: Yeah, I know. And that's, that was another reason why I was like, Oh my God, it is him. Like, right? Jesus. This is so
0: weird.
1: His hands. Somebody cut off his hands. You killed him. You killed Tolman. He's asking for help. You killed him.
0: Get in the car. You killed the guy, you found out he already had his hands cut off, and nobody's addressing this? And what you have to understand about these
1: two characters is that she is the son of a crazy person, and he is the product of incest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's why they all talk so strangely. (laughs) Maybe that's what it is. (laughs) Okay. So when we get the uh, Wilfred Butler doing his Wilm Testament, like I already said, um, house is full of inhumanity and cruelty and he wants to turn into a house for the criminally insane. And it's just so bizarre because it's like, dude, you're the one that caused all the inhumanity and cruelty. Why are you blaming on the fucking house? It's yeah.
0: you. Yeah. You
1: are the cause of everything.
0: I want to talk about how he kills her dad. The mayor. Jeffrey kills the mayor. After this exchange about someone cut off his (laughs) hand, they're in the house. He's already kind of read that bit. And she, for no reason, hands him a gun out of nowhere. Where'd she get the gun? Where did that gun come from? Why did she give it to him? Hands him the gun. The first thing he does is the mayor walks in and they shoot each other.
1: <laughs> yes, because they think it's going to be Wilfred. Yeah. He doesn't shoot the mayor on purpose. He he thinks it's going to be Wilfred, so he wants to kill him. I have written down so many times the music. No, no, no.
0: Oh. Wilfred's already dead by this point.
1: No, he's not. He hasn't shown up yet.
0: No, no, because I ha- I have literally, they were the last victims in a house of victims. That's what the narrator says. And she's referring to Jeffrey and her dad. That's one of the last lines of the movie is, they were How the last Wilfred victims die? in a house of victims. He got into a fight with Jeffrey, right? Didn't they have a showdown of some sort?
1: Yeah, but that happened after. No. Then why would he that's shoot why, the mayor?
0: That's why it was so weird. Because... Because he's lost it. He puts on that cape and shit. Remember when he had the cape on? I
1: think you're remembering it wrong. No,
0: no. We're going to pause here. And I'm going to pull this up. We're going to confirm this live on the air. Alright. This is happening. She kills him. That's it.
1: I knew he wasn't dead yet.
0: Alright. He wasn't dead yet. (laughs) But he doesn't. Because I was thinking, how does he kill him if if he's dead? No, she takes the gun that Jeffrey had and shoots the dude when I he comes
1: down. I knew Jeffrey wasn't just crazy. I knew he was trying to kill Wilfred.
0: Yeah, okay. All right, you're right. Ladies and gentlemen, Kelsey was right. I'm just declaring it right now, giving her her... Her do props.
1: Thanks. <laughs> so several times I wrote down, oh my God, the music, the music, Jesus, the music, because <laughs> that's just how bad it was. When we first see the mental patients escaping, because we don't get the full story till later. Yeah. But when we first get a shot of it, they for some reason choose to focus on the back of a person's head who's carrying a wrench and then gets yeah. into a car and drives away. Yeah. And you're just like... <sighs>
0: What is going on?
1: Was that someone important? Was the wrench important? What's
0: happening? Through this entire movie, it's shit like that. When I was reading the the bit about she gives him a gun, and then he and her dad shoot each other, my next statement is, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) (laughs) That's after a previous statement about all the city's leaders were inmates, and they killed his mom? What? Why?
1: (laughs) I love... That our main chick, when she's driving home, she sees Jeffrey before she has any idea
0: who he is. Her name is Ingrid, by the way.
1: Ingrid. And he tries to get her to pull over and she's just like, fuck that noise and just right. keeps
0: driving by. I'm like, yes! So what does he do? He smashes his car window for no reason! Yes, and they never explain it!
1: Yeah. He's it- just
0: like, like he doesn't look upset or anything like that. She drives past him, he turns, He he... he he tries to wave her down with his tire iron, by yes, the way. Yes,
1: exactly.
0: And then and she drives off and he turns to his car, goes up to his windshield, and then hits it like three times to shatter I it. I think
1: they were trying to confuse the audience to make, him make us think
0: that he was the murderer. Right, but that doesn't make any sense why the character would do that. Yeah, it doesn't. It's I, oh, bizarre. Oh, Oh, man. Oh, man.
1: Also, was a lot of this movie dubbed? Yes. Okay.
0: Yes. Because
1: often I was like, that didn't match.
0: (laughs) As a matter of fact, John Carradine, who plays Toman, uh, the newspaper guy, when he does the raspy stuff, that's not his voice. It's somebody else dubbed over him. He actually died before the movie came out.
1: The whole scene between the lawyer and the, the people, the crazy people, the mayor... The yeah. phone lady.
0: Yeah, where they are insistent upon buying this property, and we have no idea why.
1: This was the hardest scene to follow. It was just off the okay. walls, like, what are you saying,
0: people? So, going back to Toman, the dude who rings the bell, I say, one of my first comments is, what the fuck is with that bell the newspaper guy keeps ringing in the meeting with the mayor? As you know, I've been retained by Jeffrey Butler. The matter concerns the house that he inherited from his grandfather, Wilfred Butler. Go on, Mr. Carter. Like, he just does it. Like, there's no indication that he's deaf. There's no indication that he can't speak. Only, Only later do you get him, like, rasping something about tearing the building down. But before that, it's just... Ding, 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 ding. And like, wait, what was that? <laughs> Why did he? What was that? Why did he do that? And then later on, ding, 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 ding. What is happening?
1: <laughs> and I love that the lawyer's just like,
0: eh, that's normal. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't comment on it or anything. Was the lawyer having an affair? He makes a phone call to his daughter and says he misses her mom. But is that, is she dead?
1: It was, I don't... it felt, to me, it felt like he was there with his Side girl.
0: Right, because he was on a trip, a business trip, and he was there with his girlfriend. Right, yeah.
1: But it doesn't matter because he dies. But anyway, there's just so much shit. Won't you sit there, Mr. Carter? (laughs) Won't you sit there, Mr. Carter,
0: at the head of the table? Mr. Kata.
1: No, 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 no. Inhumanity. Because he's trying to think of the right word that the guy used in his will.
0: That dribble about humanity. No, no, no. Inhumanity. What the hell is that, huh?
1: So Tess, the phone lady. We
0: call her the
1: communications director. Talking about the guy who owned the place. That man hated. That man hated. Period. Yes, that's the end of her life. That man hated. (laughs) Yep, yep, you did. There's so much. There are so many lines in this scene that are just like, what? Who talks like that? Anyway.
0: We get the exposition dump again. So there's the flashback, which is an exposition dump. There's the thing in the very beginning, which is an exposition dump. And then there's the the scene where the daughter is reading about and just thinking about the history and the relationships of the house and how everything went down. And that takes forever where she's reading that in the newspaper. Now, despite the fact that we get all of these exposition dumps throughout the entirety of the movie, you have no idea what's happening. (laughs) Imagine that. A movie that's practically all exposition and you have no idea what's happening.
1: (laughs) There's a lot of uh, moments with heavy breathing from the killer, which again plays into... Creepy
0: POV shots and shit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We get a lot of close-ups on family pictures, which makes sense later. You find out who the hell these people are, but when they first show it, you're just like, why do I care about these pictures? Why is this here? I think
0: you hit on something right there, though. I think this movie will benefit from a second watch. Oh, yes. We are definitely going to watch this movie again sometime.
1: (laughs) Next year at Christmas time. (laughs) Going back to my conversation between the lawyer and the people, he explains that the grandson will take $50,000 in cash tomorrow, and that's his only offer. Yeah,
0: why he is so eager to sell the place they never explain. Yeah. I, whatever.
1: And Tess turns to the guy and she goes, you could go now. You could go to the bank. That's an awful lot of cash. It's also an awfully good bargain you could go to wilton you could go now to the bank
0: yeah uh, this urgency <laughs> but, uh, the
1: urgency makes sense later but just you could go now you could go to the bank who talks like that <laughs> who sounds like that in a normal conversation i think conversation? that's the important part is who
0: sounds like that because yeah you can go now go to the bank right like that's a normal line of dialogue you could go now you could go to the bank
1: Mm -hmm. also they find out that the guy is planning to stay inside the house the lawyer
0: (laughs) which is where he gets killed. he's like
1: you could go to the motel and he goes oh no i'm good and he goes the paradise motel we could put you up at the motel as our guest no no the house
0: is fine the paradise motel (laughs) like that's supposed to make him
1: want to go there more because it's called paradise uh-huh.
0: they have a tv and a jacuzzi <laughs> free hbo
1: <laughs> and she and then the telephone lady is really insistent and this part doesn't make sense even even when you fucking know what's going on it still doesn't make sense she goes i'll go ahead and hook the phone up for you and he goes oh that you don't need to do that i'm only up here for one night she goes You'll need a phone. You'll want a phone. I can reconnect the line. And she says it like three times. He's going to need a phone. You'll need a phone. You'll need a phone. And you're thinking that, oh my God, something must be going on up there. Or maybe it's haunted. Or yeah,
0: she knows like, She knows that he's going to need to call the police or something like that. But she has no
1: idea. She has no reason to think.
0: She hates that place.
1: I she has no reason to think that he would need a phone it doesn't make sense
0: this this, okay all right are you good
1: no so (laughs) then when the lawyer leaves this thing (laughs) they're talking about
0: (laughs) this whole scene are you good no (laughs) i'm not good
1: this so bizarre I couldn't get over I was just sitting there like with my mouth open like is this really a movie so then he leaves and they're talking about like you know what if he finds out or whatever and they're making it sound like it's haunted a lot of the dialogue yeah. makes you think it's haunted right you're just you're crazy people
0: this okay You're pulling these really gem lines. It's going to be so difficult for me to find these in the movie.
1: (laughs) Because the whole movie is full of them. So, my question was, why would he want to stay in the house? Why wouldn't he want to stay in the motel?
0: His car doesn't... Oh, why, that guy? Yeah. Whatever. I mean, he has a house for free. He doesn't want to pay for the motel. He wants to show off to the girl. Remember, he he gets in and it's a really nice place. And then she gets like immediately wet and he goes off and does other things and calls his daughter and like just hangs out and she's naked in bed and he's just like, hey, how's it going? Want to talk for a little bit?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it reminded me of Bird with the Crystal Plumage where the girl's just like, can we have sex now? (laughs) Yeah.
0: All right, are you good? No. I think this is the end.
1: There's so much more. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much more to say about this movie.
0: We've gone like 40 minutes already. I thought this was going to be really short. We have way too much to say
1: about it. There's so much. (laughs) This movie is so bizarre. Yeah. So strange. So hilarious and amazing and terrible all at the same time. Yep. I can't recommend it enough. I want,
0: <laughs> I want everyone to see this movie. Yes, preferably inebriated. However but you need to make that happen. There's
1: so much. I have so much to say. <laughs> I'll stop. But I would like you to know, I think we've gotten to the good stuff. There's... This movie is so incredible. You have to see it. Yes. To understand,
0: to believe. It, hopefully, if you got through this with us, hopefully you want to see it now. If, I you, did, if see you didn't this watch it yet.
1: In a movie theater. Yeah. I don't know why this isn't played at midnight in movie theaters all over the place. Oh, totally. All the time. We,
0: like we said, we don't know why it's not a Mystery Science Theater 3000 uh, movie. Kelsey tweeted at Jonah Ray asking him. To do something about getting it into the next season of Mystery Science Theater 3000 Returns? That would be so cool. (laughs) That would be so cool. (laughs) They probably already have their movies decided. Damn it! (laughs) All right. That said, Kelsey, what do you think the Rotten Tomatoes rating is?
1: I would imagine this is like 37? Is it lower?
0: Whatever you guessed. Yeah. Is accurate. (laughs) Because they're are not enough legitimate reviews. There are no reviews on Rotten Tomatoes for this movie. Except, except audience reviews.
1: That's crazy! How does a movie go so under the radar?
0: It was a drive-in movie theater movie. Like, it wasn't a wide release. That's why it fell into public domain so easily. Do you still stand by your 37 for the audience rating?
1: (sighs) This is difficult maybe more around like 55
0: 29 all <laughs> from 2151 user ratings
1: <laughs> over 2000 over
0: 2000 user ratings and it averages a 2.8 out of 5
1: oh my god
0: which is which is tw- so so you have to keep in mind the 2.8 out of 5 is its average rating of those ratings are generally positive. (laughs) 71% of them are generally negative, including the only one that they quote here, which says, Wow, just wow. This movie was so appallingly boring and mind-numbingly slow that I just wanted it to end as quickly as possible. I watched this in a double feature set with Christmas Evil, a.k.a. You Better Watch Out, first in line. I don't know if that affected the experience because the former was pretty entertaining, but this one just flat out sucked. That comes from Tim Sammons, who is a super reviewer on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: That is a shame. (laughs) That is a real, real shame.
0: Right? Let me see if I can find some some positive ones. Please. (laughs) Uh, Painfully dull. Oh so boring. Unfortunately boring. One of the worst films I've ever seen.
1: I can't believe they're calling it boring. Yeah. This movie is hysterical and so much fun to watch. I can't imagine calling this boring.
0: Three stars wasn't quite as terrible as I expected. (laughs) (laughs) The story was predictable. Fuck you, Luke L. You're a liar. (laughs) Yeah, that is a bunch of bullshit. You are a fucking liar. Oh, All the major townspeople are all escaped inmates? Are you fucking kidding me? If
1: anything, the one thing you could say that makes this a good actual movie is Is that that it's
0: unpredictable. Unpredictable. uh You have
1: no fucking (laughs) idea. There's no way to know that these are insane asylum escapees. Why would the mayor be insane asylum escapee is so strange.
0: (laughs) As I previously mentioned, this review is from Peter H, who gave it three and a half stars. As I previously mentioned, some view this film as a precursor to the slasher movie genre, along with another 1974 Yuletide horror classic, Black Christmas. They're lumping them together. Way different. (laughs) And to some extent, yes, that is correct. The POV shots, the killer is seldom seen, and of course a body count. Silent Night, Bloody Night is a slasher film through and through. However, a bizarre mute performance by John Carradine, communicating (laughs) by a bell, makes this film all the more memorable. 70%. (laughs) That was 1972's Silent Night, Bloody Night just watch it just go watch it you should see it
1: you need to see it i love this movie it is so awful and yet it's amazing
0: (laughs) all right next up
1: 2015's dismembering christmas
0: (laughs) all right (laughs) dismembering christmas is directed by austin bosley and written by steve goltz and kevin summerfield And this is the description on IMDb. At a vacation winter lake house, seven high school seniors are attacked by a madman out for revenge. The logline is, it's the most wonderful time of the year. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, So take this time now to pause and watch the certainly not as good as Silent Night, Bloody Night, 2015's Dismembering Christmas. So what now? We could play another game. Do we have Clue? I fucking love Clue. I don't want to play a murder mystery after what that weirdo told you guys. Honestly, that guy probably just doesn't want
1: us up here partying. It's nothing to worry about. There's no killer lurking in the woods. Nobody's lived here for years. I don't know, man. Don't be so quick to debunk urban legends, all right? Something fucked up
0: might have happened here. <laughs>
1: I think everyone should be with their family on Christmas. It's what the holidays are all about. Sorry, what the heck are you guys talking about? Apparently, some guy was killed here. All of a sudden, family became more important than friends.
0: Well, shouldn't it be? They're gone. There's nobody here. It's a tough crowd, huh?
1: I just feel like I'm losing all my friends.
0: We have to get out of here. Everybody's dead.
1: You don't think I already know this? You don't think I'm scared? <laughs> Cheers
0: to the best Christmas of our lives. Kelsey. Yes. What was Dismembering Christmas about? What was the premise?
1: A group of teenagers go to spend Christmas together. They're like 19, 20, 21. They go to spend Christmas together in a cabin in the woods, and a murderer is there.
0: Earlier in this episode, I expressed my utter. Bafflement over Silent Night, Bloody Night. <laughs> it was an incredible movie, and I was like, there is no way Dismembering Christmas could live up to it. I will say right now, before we go any further, it didn't. <laughs> but it got close. In such a way that it just, it barely missed the target, and the bullet just kept going off into nonsense land. (laughs) So, Dismembering Christmas is a weird movie. It's made by Slasher Studios, which is an independent film studio that is just dedicated to making slasher movies.
1: And they have the dumbest intro. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's pretty bad. Right. Right, But we need to remember this is very, like, very independent. Just a bunch of people doing some passion projects, so we should probably keep that in mind. They also did earlier movies, Teddy and Don't Go to the Reunion. I saw a lot of really positive buzz about Don't Go to the Reunion. But that's from the same places that had a lot of positive things to say about dismembering Christmas. So...
1: Hey, I'm okay with that.
0: (laughs) I'm just saying, if it's more of this, absolutely. <laughs> of course, we will watch Don't Go to the Reunion. Are you kidding me?
1: This week was awesome <laughs> because of how terrible these movies are.
0: It, it's so weird. So weird. So, for those of you that don't know, which is probably everybody, um, <laughs> <laughs> Dismembering Christmas was a Kickstarter campaign that ran successfully with a target of, keep in mind, we're making movies here, a target of $10,000. It hit that target. Do you have any guesses as to how much it actually made?
1: Oh, I have no idea. Just
0: guess. Ballpark.
1: 15000
0: I thought you would go higher. $11,367 is how much it made. Now, they financed it with a lot of – with that and, you know, their own chutzpah. Uh, And they just, you know, they went to a cabin and they filmed just some people. I mean, you're not going to have a union casting person. You're not going to have, like, you know, there's tons of resources that they just plain don't have. So they got, like, community theater level actors. And some were better than others.
1: Yes. Some were worse than my middle school drama kids.
0: We, yeah, uh-huh.
1: But some were actually pretty decent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Some were pretty good, but others were like, why are you even in a movie? Y-
1: you should not be an actor.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> we don't want to shatter people's dreams like that. Um, well, you need to... You need more practice. You need Absolutely. to... Absolutely. Loosen up.
1: Some direction.
0: Right. Talk like a normal person talks. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the thing I think with a lot of actors is... Well, not a lot, of, but a lot of bad actors <laughs> is just record what they're saying and then play it back to them and go, does that sound like a real person? <laughs> Nobody actually talks to each other like this, and it's not just the dialogue. The movie was 71 minutes long.
1: Which was a good thing. It was it was very good that it was only 71 minutes.
0: So SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, does not consider that any of these actors actually participated in a feature film.
1: Aww.
0: Because their minimum length for a feature film is 80 minutes.
1: Aww. Oh my god, you couldn't have just extended it nine more minutes to give them some SAG credit?
0: But this is eligible for an Academy Award, <laughs> because the Academy sets a feature-length limit of 40 minutes. Okay. <laughs> I think it's because they also include, you know, shorts.
1: But they couldn't just include nine more minutes to get them that SAG credit?
0: I guess not. That's I mean, still. Sucks. Still. For contrast, Silent Night, Bloody Night had a budget of $295,000 in 1972. That's almost $300,000, it's almost a third of a million dollars in 1972, and this film was made on a budget of 11000 at least raised from Kickstarter, I don't know what other funding they may have had.
1: It's hard to tell, because the version of Silent Night, Bloody Night that we watched on YouTube, I have no idea if when it was originally shown it was that bad of quality, with all the stuff, mm-hmm. it's probably just a really bad copy So it's difficult to tell, because I would say that, honestly, the only thing that Silent Night, Bloody Night had that this movie didn't have was better film and sound
0: quality. I'd say, and cameras, and... That's what I'm
1: saying. Better film, better camera.
0: Yeah. Better lighting. It was just a movie production. And these guys are like, to their credit, are just some dudes. You know, they don't have – like, we could have made this movie. We didn't. They did. So props to them. But we have the resources to do what they did. I guess it's a testament to what they were able to produce and get out there. And we paid money to a company that then went to them.
1: And that's awesome. I'm I'm happy that I got to help aid those people.
0: Right, right, yeah. So we've been talking a lot about the movie in concept – but we haven't gotten really into the specifics partially because there aren't a lot of specifics to be had <laughs> not a lot is going on in this movie it's there's a, very a love triangle story. that is pointless like the story is like the the entire story is just filler so the movie isn't 40 minutes <laughs> there's two girls that both kind of like the same guy
1: it was difficult to tell this is going to sound so strange, but they looked very similar to us and they just yeah. they didn't have enough personality to really tell the difference between who the characters were. And two of the
0: guys paying, and two of the girls just like look so much like each other.
1: And if you're not paying attention to the names, then you're not going to be able to tell the difference. And a lot of the time I was like, wait, who is she in relation to these people? But what Chris is saying is that there is a stupid love triangle, which is totally pointless. It goes nowhere. There is a couple who are going to get up early the next morning to go to a wedding, which then my response is... It only
0: sets up the point of... The fact that they're not there in the morning and nobody asks why. That's all that's for.
1: My response to that is why would this couple even be out here?
0: Yeah, they can spend the night with them. But I think it's barely on, I think out. it's like on their way or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> and they might come back. They might, might have been planning to come back later or something. I don't
1: know. And there's another couple that's like getting ready to get married, which makes no sense because they're like 20 years old.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then there's a boy whose cabinet is and he's the boyfriend of one of the girls.
1: I think he's the one that's supposed to get married. He's the one that they're expecting to get married. Yeah. His
0: stepfather Stepfather. is really rich and buys him lots of stuff and dotes on him, but hates the fact that he's not into manly things. And so he's hoping that time out in the cabin in nature will, I don't know, bring out the man in him or something. But that's a plot line that goes nowhere. Nowhere.
1: And a bunch of them are related. He's one of the
0: first fucking dudes killed. He's killed before anyone knows there's a killer.
1: No, you're thinking of the couple that... No. Are going to the wedding.
0: Couple that are going to the wedding. Girl building the snowman. Mark, sledding down the hill, gets his head cut off <laughs> by, the, right. by the wire. <laughs> He's dead like halfway through the movie. And he has a bulk of the backstory leading up to that,
1: he really does. <laughs> the story is so dumb. How about we tell them about the killer? Because the killer is
0: even dumber. the killer was obvious from like the word go. <laughs> as soon as we knew that, there were, that that there was a killer, I should say. Yeah, explain what the...
1: Frank Frank Fuller. Explain him. <laughs> Frank
0: Fuller stops by, and he's supposed to be creepy, and it's that that cliche. Which I keep saying stuff like this. To be fair, is what they're going for. Mm-hmm. They're going for this cliche. He's the guy that shows up and is supposed to warn them, right? He's the prophecy.
1: The harbinger. The
0: harbinger. Yes, very good. We'll be watching Cabin in the Woods, don't (laughs) worry. Um, He is the harbinger to warn them away. But he's also the red herring, who you're supposed to think might be the killer. But he is so obviously not, because you can see this twist coming from a mile away. Especially when he comes back later in the movie, saying, I'm just trying to help you. And they're like, ah! and running away from him, like, yeah, no, he is just trying to help them.
1: Yeah, so again, we're supposed to think it's him, and it's not.
0: Right, but he tells them the story of, we don't have a time or anything like that, but previously in the cabin, before Mark's stepfather bought it, there was a bloodbath. A man and his lover are murdered by the man's wife, who is found crying and hysterical in the house.
1: As they say... Screaming in the basement that Santa Claus came to town.
0: Yeah. They're trying real hard to make it a holiday movie.
1: Why she says Santa Claus come to town, never explained. It's never brought up again. Yeah. And the daughter, her daughter was downstairs waiting to open her present.
0: Yes. So we find out later that the daughter was there. And it's like, oh, then she got away. She was arrested, but they didn't have enough evidence to prosecute her. And then she disappeared. And... As soon as you hear that, it's like, oh, it's the neighbor lady who we met, like, the previous scene.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And that lady was super awkward. And, like, she's a bitch to the woman. And she's, like, all flirty with the guy, which we realize is because she hates girls. Because girls represent lust. Yeah. She loves men Uh because she wants to be married. Yeah. It's kind of dumb.
0: After Fuller warns him about this, there's a really great line. One of the girls is really worried about... The story and was like really creeped out by it. And Mark says, "We'll be sure to lock all the windows and doors." And then she responds with, "Yeah, because nothing penetrates glass."
1: <laughs> Way to buy a cabin that once doubled as a slaughterhouse. Merry fucking Christmas.
0: I'll be sure to lock all the windows and doors. because yeah, Nothing penetrates glass. That was just a pretty good line. A little, you know, hanging a lantern on a horror movie trope. Lock all the stuff. It's like they're trying to kill you. They can break through the window. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, sure enough, it's a lady who's wearing kind of a cool mask.
1: It is not cool. It's a total ripoff of Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
0: And several others. It's fine. It's just the masked killer. It's it's another trope.
1: But it looks like a human's face, which she... There's no indication that she Would mutilates a, people. Yeah, no. no indication well, that... it's a
0: bloodbath.
1: No indication that she wants to be someone else. Yeah. She just wears that this mask made of mask. skin just to be
0: creepy. Well, just because for two reasons. Number one, it's it's for the audience's sake, so we don't know who it is. And number two, several people played the killer throughout the filming of this movie. Oh. They didn't have the biggest budget to hire people and all I that. I was going to so. say,
1: there were several shots where she looked like a dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But and I mean that's that's done was. a lot. Yeah.
0: Right, yeah. So she ends up killing everybody in unique ways, beheadings and it's the silly sort of like it cuts away right before the beheading happens and then you see a shot an aerial shot or not an aerial shot but a shot that's uh, pointing toward the sky and then you see a head flip through it, you know, and it's supposed to be but I silly and fun.
1: When he hit, hit his neck on the on the sled, mm-hmm. we did see that. Nah, whatever. It That's was very crazy. obviously fake, but whatever. we did see his head come off. Know,
0: but it happened several times in this movie. Yeah. Eventually, we come to find out that she is trying to get to our main girl, who I don't remember her name. I don't remember her name. I, the only girl's name I remember is Sam. She was uh, the boy's friend who was in the love triangle, the one who really liked the guy, and they were just best friends. And then there was the other girl that. She
1: is the main girl. Is she? She's the one who survives. Okay.
0: Yeah. uh, Hard to tell. Because all your actresses look the same. (laughs) Here's the thing about character design. Especially when you have the benefit of, like, superheroes and stuff like that. And comic books and and cartoons and stuff. It's a lot easier there. But you can still strive for it in film. The thing about character design is is the design should be so crystal clear at communicating who it is that you're looking at, you should even be able to tell who it is when they're in silhouette. It's very important. None of that was applied to this movie. None of it. So, guys, if you have Google Alerts set up for dismembering Christmas and you're listening to this, focus on your character design because all of your victims look exactly the same. (laughs) That was a problem. But in any case... She's pinpointed Sam as being her daughter. Yes. Who I don't think we ever even find out what happens to the daughter. Yeah, we never find find out what happened to her, nothing. And we never know if Sam actually is her daughter and just doesn't know it or anything like that. Anyway, she kills everyone to get to her and Sam gets out, breaks free, climbs away. And then when the lady comes outside, she hits her and then takes this drill this giant like post hole drill and just grinds it into her face yes it's a dull drill so it was really just really gruesome i bet as opposed to a pointy drill which would have been one thing it would have it would have smashed and smushed up her face we wouldn't have got all the cool blood effect that we got though.
1: Yeah, we don't we don't see any of that. All we see is the blood splattering on mm-hmm. Sam's face and it's a little over the top. A lot of this movie and not just stuff that happens in it but also the fact that it's a passion project etc. it felt very much like Red Christmas, but Red Christmas was just made better.
0: Right, yeah. They had they had professional equipment and stuff. Yeah. And professional equipment is important because One of my first notes is, is everything being filmed on a fisheye skater video lens? (laughs) Because it had this slight fisheye quality to everything. Like it was being filmed on GoPros (laughs) or something similar. Which GoPros are a great cheap solution to get HD video if you don't want to use your phone. But they are not professional movie making equipment. I don't know what you were using or what lens you were using – Knock it off,, <laughs> but this movie, in spite of its failings, which are mainly about quality <laughs> <No>. <laughs> which are which are which are mainly about resources and experience, despite those things, there are some really really neat things in this movie, really cool stuff. there are two Warners, and if you didn't know, if you haven't listened to every episode, i'm a big fan of Warners. Woners are long takes where you take one shot and you extend it out longer than a shot would normally be, which is like a few seconds at most. And you play it out for a minute, maybe half a minute, two minutes. You do some really neat stuff with that. They show the passage of time with one of their winners. In this movie, when they do the party and the camera circles around them, it was very obviously choreographed. It didn't feel very natural, but that was okay because every time they turned away from the party to see somebody do something like get more drinks or. throw up in the toilet or something like that. And it turned back to the party. It had progressed to later on that night and everyone's more drunk and they're doing different things. And then it would circle around the party again and then follow somebody off off somewhere else and then come back. Remember, no cuts. And it's later in the party again. And it was having a shot that is designed to show excruciating detail for a single moment in time and not cut away from it. They used that as a tactic to show the long passage of time, which was really fucking neat.
1: It was very good. It
0: was really cool.
1: And I remember turning to Chris and being like, so much of this movie is awful. Don't get me wrong. I love this movie yeah. <laughs> because of how awful it is. <laughs> but there are so many awful scenes. And then they've got these magical scenes in here that are like, wow. Like,
0: the next one
1: You, But you can tell... That these people love film. Yeah. And they want, and they love horror movies. Yeah. And they wanted to make a horror movie. And I have so much respect for that. I want to make a horror movie, but do I do it? No, because I don't want to waste my
0: money. I think I would have had a really great time on the set making this movie with them.
1: I know, I want to be an actor for them.
0: (laughs) That would be so great.
1: (laughs) But let me just say, the girl who's in the very first scene, as soon as we started watching it. She's the
0: first person to say anything. She's the first person to talk. Really, it's a bad first impression. You know, I haven't seen or heard from that bitch in two months. She went M.I.A. after meeting M.A.R. Okay.
1: I turned to Chris and I was like, oh dear. I
0: don't, <laughs> don't think I can do this. The second one-er in the movie is at the end when Sam is trying to get away from the killer and her best friend guy is with her and they split up and the camera follows Sam and stays with Sam. And she hides. She walks around the outside of the building, going from window to window to avoid being seen. There's some really cool moments there.
1: It was really tense. When she turns tense. to
0: look in, and then the killer looks up, and it was super fucking tense. And because it was a wonner, that contributed to that. So whoever made that decision, really smart.
1: It was very well done. It felt a little, like you said, choreographed. yeah. But But I
0: was totally okay with it. I was super invested. They're running away. She is inside. She makes her way outside, goes all the way around the house, and the one still isn't done with. And she's pausing between windows and everything like that. (laughs) She goes into the garage, and she finds Justin crying over Emma's body. Emma is his sister. Justin is the best friend guy. And she's dead in the garage or something like that, and he's crying over her body. The- Killer appears and she runs away, leaving Justin behind as well. She should have. Good for her.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Justin is killed.
1: It is funny though, because right before this happens, she's like, I'm not going to let anything happen to yeah, you. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> Justin is killed. And she runs away and she starts running towards the camera out into the woods and she gets exhausted and she stops and she waits and she listens. And then she turns around to look back to see if the killer is behind her. And the killer is right behind her and hits her on the head and knocks her out. Like you didn't see the killer come up because she was so close to the screen.
1: Wasn't it with the wreath?
0: No, that was how. that's how they decapitated one of the people. The wreath with the razor blades cut somebody's head off.
1: Oh, it was so dumb. Yeah. That was bad. Yeah. Because then they showed us the wreath-
0: yeah, and it's just a wreath, and there's just a bunch of random razor blades in it. <laughs> it
1: looks so stupid.
0: It should have been like on the inside, an actual circle blade.
1: It was a stupid thing to do, anyway.
0: It was. There's no reason for this all to be Christmas themed. <laughs> anyway, that was all a wonder, or, or there may have been a cut in there, but I wasn't. I was just so invested, I didn't even see a cut if there was. Yeah,
1: one. I was freaking out. I was like, get away, "Get away! Get away! Get away! Get away! Get away!" Yeah,
0: it was really good, and it's and it's stuff like that that I'm talking about. There is some vision here. This director, Austin Bosley, or if it was the director of photography, I don't, I don't know. But there's vision there. And with more resources and more experience, they have talent. Absolutely. I like this movie. It was a fun Christmas movie. I think it's not as bad as The Room by any means. But I think you should go out and have some ironic fun and watch this movie because it is ironic fun, but there's also some really good stuff in there. And, and you'll be better for it.
1: Just remember that in the first scene, you're going to think, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Just remember it's not like that for the rest of the movie.
0: Yeah. Lightning round.
1: Oh, I have so much stuff to say. I didn't say a lot of myself. So the first shot we get to see, what we find out later, is the stepdad making everything nice and cozy and cute for his son and all his friends. And then we see him get murdered. But it's interesting because there's no diegetic sound. Yeah. A lot of it is either just music or silence. Yeah. So that was interesting. They did a lot of interesting things. They were trying things out, which is what passion projects should be about. That's and it was yeah. awesome.
0: There is a dead end sign that we see that they pass and then we get a the camera stays on it and it gets a musical sting. <laughs>
1: And it stays there for a while. Right. It stays way too long.
0: It is obviously a re- just a nod to the trope. They weren't like, oh, man, this is going to blow people's minds. It was obviously a nod to the horror movie trope. So good for them.
1: So <laughs> when they first get to the cabin, the, the- chick who we don't like runs by this character named Justin she goes hey justin and just runs by
0: yeah mm-hmm. and i just like it's,
1: it's cute. it was no it wasn't cute it was weird i was like who talks like when,
0: when you, you just did it right there i thought just it was cute runs
1: by and like no reason to run why is she running into the house i, I don't know it was weird
0: and speaking of the resources, I wrote that the audio equipment is just like the stuff on the camera. Garbage. <laughs> they had no like boom mic or anything else like that. They could have stood to do some more ADR maybe, but that probably wouldn't have been good either. I don't know. But they need some dedicated sound equipment. Really bad.
1: So when they first walk in, the kid says, one of them, I don't know who, one of the guys says it's fully stocked with food. And alcohol. And it's supposed to be because they're like 2019. And uh-huh. this is so exciting, you know? But they are obviously not 19 and 20. <laughs> they are very obviously older than that.
0: I wrote here that the big problem amongst everything is that you can hear the writer's hand in every la- line of dialogue. Like you can tell it's Especially like... Especially
1: in the beginning. Yeah, when, it's when, the, the, beginning. when the
0: actress is, is doing her mimicry like an alien who's seen humans interact... <laughs> But has never actually interacted with one herself. This poor girl. This poor girl. I encourage her to go to more classes and do more acting.
1: Take direction. Yeah. Listen to your director. Do not...
0: Listen to yourself.
1: Yeah. Just film you and your friends. Just have a fucking cell phone filming you and your friends hanging out and be like, oh, that's what I look like.
0: (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Speaking of that that leads right into the fact that apparently this script began life as a spec script for a friday the 13th sequel if you don't know what spec script is a spec script is a script that's written On spec, you're writing a script for somebody without being asked to, and then you turn it in to be like, hey, eh, what do you think of this movie? That's what writing on spec is. You write something, and then you hand it to somebody without having been asked to write it.
1: So a bunch of teens in the woods in a cabin, Mm -hmm. mass killer. That
0: makes sense. Yeah. It's just they had to write in. They had to update it to make it its own story.
1: So when we meet the lady, (laughs) who, like I told you, she doesn't like the girlfriend she flirts with the boyfriend etc she says some weird shit i mean you could literally chris you could put this entire conversation into this right now because Uh it is so bizarre how long do you plan on staying just for christmas actually oh not spending christmas with your family no just friends this year oh i think everyone should be with their family on christmas It's what the holidays are all about. It is just bizarrely written, bizarrely acted out. It's so strange, but she's like, why are you out here for the holidays? Why aren't you with your family? And the girl says something about, oh, you know, friends or family, you get to choose or whatever. And she gets real serious. She goes, I don't think your mother would like you to say that. I feel like if you're with the ones you love, then that's all that matters. I don't think your mother would appreciate you saying that. Because she's a mom and yeah, she uh-huh. doesn't get to be with her daughter on Christmas, yeah, so it's like uh-huh. it makes sense. But it was just so strange. Well,
0: and she thinks she is her mom.
1: <laughs> I don't think that was was the that same not girl. Sam. Okay, I don't yeah, think I, I so. Don't
0: Who could tell? They all looked the same. Yeah.
1: Then she like changes her tune. So whenever she's talking to the girl. She's pissed. Mm -hmm. Whenever she's talking to the guy, she's happy. Yeah. So he says something about wanting to be with his friends, and she goes, oh, yes, have fun with your friends. No one will be able to hear you.
0: Right. I hope we don't make too much noise, neighbor.
1: Oh, you don't worry about that. You're so far out. Nobody's going to hear a thing.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Why wouldn't Uh that
1: creep the shit out of you? That would creep me out so much. But I could
0: see how it would be a reasonable adult thing to say to a bunch of kids who are going to party alone in the woods being like, don't worry about it. I don't give a shit. Just make as much noise as you want. I'm a mile away and I'm your closest neighbor. Like, just have fun. Have at it.
1: But like the guy's response, he like giggles and like plays into it. And he's like into her flirting with him. And the girlfriend is obviously nice. It's so weird. Oh, aren't you sweet to say so? <laughs> and look at this head of hair you got. <laughs> oh, such a yeah, pretty know. little head, <laughs> oh, so you know, cute. what they say. get the rest of these bags in? Oh, yeah.
0: I'm sorry, young
1: lady. I didn't mean to keep you. Anyway.
0: I fucking love Clue! Do we have Clue? I fucking love Clue. The guy says when they're trying to decide what they want to play.
1: So the chick we don't like, when she's there, she's talking to her boyfriend about the wedding. And she goes, I really wish we didn't have to go to your your cousin's trashy wedding or something. And then he's like, you know, we're not actually camping. This isn't that big deal. And she goes, I haven't had cell reception in four hours. That's roughing it.
0: starting to wish we didn't have to go to your brother's trashy wedding. I've never been camping before.
1: I love you. But this isn't camping
0: I haven't had cell reception in four hours This
1: is roughing it Okay, who wrote this? Like, Mm -hmm. I get that you're going for campy But, like, come on Kids are not this cheesy No, see, this
0: is the dialogue I would expect In a Friday the 13th sequel Thank you Especially a modern one, right? (laughs) Is that a sharpened hockey stick? It's a sharpened hockey stick With a bow That was one of the first murder weapons in the movie. A sharpened hockey stick with a bow. It's used to kill the first two couple, the couple that are going to the wedding. And in order to hide the fact that they're gone, she hides the car. How did she know which car was theirs?
1: It's a good question. So at one point, like we said, there's like a love triangle going on. Yeah. We have the this girl and this guy who have known each other since they were little and they've always had a thing for each other but the girl has always not dated him. I don't know. They're not really clear about it. So then this other chick's little sister shows up, Claire Bear as they call her. And she walks in and she goes, hi. Hi. And he goes, hi. Hi. And then they just stare at each other.
0: Oh, it was trying to be like a instant connection thing. And it was so weird. It
1: was so bizarre. I was like, okay, I've been in situations where it's like, wow, I I just met you and I'm super attracted to you. I don't stare at them and smile and don't be all creepy because I'm not five
0: years old. It It felt like... uh, soap opera direction where it's just like, hold on this shot, hold on this shot, hold on this shot.
1: <laughs> and everyone in the scene it does react like, okay, but like that doesn't bring them out of their stupor of uh, instantaneous love. I don't
0: know, it was weird. Mark goes out with one of the girls to build a snowman and they're just about done And she's like, oh, we don't have a nose, you know, and they're chatting and blah, 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 blah. And then Mark says to her, kind of excitedly, you work on the nose. I have an idea. Okay, you work on a nose. You got an idea. His idea was to go sledding by himself. (laughs) He just left her fucking high and dry and went sledding by himself. I understand that... They needed to get them separate to kill them off, and they, these are the ways that they thought of. It was very obvious. They thought of ways to kill people before they thought of the scenarios that these people would be in. But you got to come up with better than, or nail that line. Like, really hammer on that line of, I got an idea. Immediate cut to him having fun sliding down a mountain. Like, if it's supposed to be funny, you got to hit that line. Mm-hmm. And they did not. Because they killed her off first, I think. I think so. With some candy canes through the snowman into her head and into her body. Yeah. Yeah. Sharpened candy canes? The nose. She's like. This is a sharpened candy cane just appeared out of. Yeah, and I'm just going to put my face up real close to it for some stupid reason. I did, however, say these kills are kind of fun because but they it- thought of them. If you're just like mind shut off, just taking them for what they are, just the scenes.
1: But it also makes fun. no sense because right. the killer would have to be directly behind the snowman.
0: Right, yes.
1: How did she not see the person?
0: Right. It's just, they're just kind of fun and creative. And if it was just like a montage of murders, then that'd be fine. But we got to watch all the other stuff in between it.
1: The two girls who go outside, so the main chick and the older sister of the guy that she is best friends with.
0: Yeah, Emma.
1: They go outside for a walk and their scene is actually... Like, at that point in the movie, it was the best scene being acted. And I was like, oh, thank God, there are some good actors in this movie. But it's funny because they're like, we're going to go for a walk. They go outside, and and then they they just just stand there. They
0: just walk down the steps, they walk a few more yards, and then they just stop. And then they just look out into nothing and have a conversation.
1: And then Frank Fuller shows up, and he's so terrible at explaining himself. This whole conversation, he's just like, you shouldn't be here. You can't be here. You can't stay here.
0: Another post-it note situation. If you just wrote it down on a post-it note and handed it to him. (laughs) Yeah. Instead of being so vague and cryptic and talking in circles, all the shots with the killer and the kids in the same shot were really good. That involved them hiding from the killer. It happened a lot. And every single one of those is really neat. One in particular I'm thinking of is they're hiding behind the counter. The camera pans left to see the door where Fuller is trying to break in. He runs away and we don't get to see where he goes. The girl pokes her head back in frame to get a look at him. Right. And so the camera moved away from her. She moved into the camera. We see here. And then she immediately pulls back out and we see the killer run in from the left hand side, really fucking close to her in a way that it was believable that he might not have seen her still. So like it was there were some really neat shots whenever they were hiding from the killer and they needed to be in the same camera shot at the same time. But the killer not know they were there.
1: Yeah, it was super tense. And what I came away from it with is whoever, it it had to have been either the director or the writer, someone had these images in their head and they wrote them down and somebody said, wow, that's really interesting. You should totally make that into a movie. And they didn't put enough effort into the other parts of it. They had these awesome ideas. I mean, I understand that because I get it a lot when I'm listening to music. I imagine scenes. Mm Mm-hmm. With that song. And I feel like whoever wrote this or directed this had the same thing. They had visions in their head. Mm-hmm. and They were really good and really interesting. But they needed to take into consideration all the other things that create a film. have to
0: link those together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also wrote that the killer is actually kind of creepy when she talks to Sam. She is. When she's been revealed and she's talking to her like she's her daughter. It's just pretty creepy. I thought she did a pretty good job. She's an awkward human being, but she's supposed to be an awkward human being.
1: Yeah, I thought she did a pretty good job during that scene. Not so much in the first scene when she's talking to the kids, but when she's with her, yeah. But again, she's she's broken.
0: We find that out later.
1: At one point, our main girl goes into the kitchen to get more to drink. And it's very obvious that there's nothing in the bottle. Yeah. And she goes to pour it. And she just keeps pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring. (laughs) I didn't see that. And then she just kind of goes like this. And it's like, wow, there's nothing in that cup. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in that bottle. And it just didn't look real. Like, this is called- acting 101, they tell you to go home and to think, see what you, the actions that you're going to do in the scene, go home and do them so that you understand, hey, when I'm pouring, <laughs> I don't pour for mm. a whole minute.
0: This is called, this is called your business. The business is what you're doing on screen to explain why you're in the room you're in, why you have the occasion to have this conversation that you're having. It's not the important stuff that's happening on screen, but it's it's the stuff that you're doing to give you a purpose for you to be in that shot. So... Oftentimes, what you see if you watch TV shows is people come home from the store with groceries. That one is huge, big, especially on television shows. They're walking in with the big brown paper bags. So while they're having a conversation, they're pulling things out of the bag, they're putting it away in the cupboards, they're throwing stuff out, they're maybe cooking. Like the kitchen is a great place for busy work, right? This is your business. These people just. Said, your business is pour that glass. (laughs) And they didn't think about it one second more than that. (laughs) Which is really kind of a bummer.
1: I mean, fuck, you could have put fucking water in it so she would have been aware of like, oh, I should behave like this has has weight to it. And when I pour, I should recognize that this is not an enormous cup. Yeah. It's not going to take me that long to fill it.
0: Right. And... When we don't get business, we get them just standing out at the bottom of the stairs, <laughs> looking out into nothing when they said they were going to go for a walk and just having a conversation. And it's not – if you didn't watch the movie, it's not like they were the – going on a walk was pretense to have a conversation. It was, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go for a walk. Someone's like, you know what? I think I'll join you. Like it wasn't – A pretense for a conversation, but they, so like, hey, remember that business you just said that you had? (laughs) Do the business! Why can't they go on a walk and then run into the dude? Like, yeah, no, anyway, anyway.
1: So when we start, we see our first couple get killed, it's so dumb. They hear someone crying. Out in the wind. It's in the middle of the night.
0: Yeah. And the door was unlocked. They didn't see how the party ended. They were worried it was one of their friends out in the middle of the snow.
1: Why um, wouldn't you go get your friends to help you? Right. There is no fucking way I'd go out into the snow in the middle of the night because I or hear someone crying. Or call out to the person. In the, yeah, they, oh, oh, my God. They so never call out They to the never person. call out. In fact... When they see that it is... I mean, we know it's the old woman, but, like, I I don't know if they could tell who it yeah, was. Uh-huh. We we don't get to see because they're trying not to show us who the killer is. Yeah. So I don't really know what she looked the boyfriend, like to them. The
0: boyfriend dies first.
1: But the boyfriend... Walks, like, within two steps of Uh her before he says anything. Why wouldn't you have said something when you first saw the person, like, hello?
0: Right. Even if it was somebody you know, they might go, ah! And then attack you or something like that. You don't know. I don't
1: know. Like, there is no way I would do that. Poorly done.
0: There is a credit in this movie for a stunt ass.
1: (laughs) Yes, there is. it actually says stunt
0: ass. I think it was Justin... (laughs) who said, oh, you don't think I'll pull down my pants? I'll pull down my pants. And then he pulls down his pants. Because they're playing strip poker. Right, yeah. And then you get to see his ass. Apparently that was not his ass. Also, speaking of credits, people, when you're making these movies, use a standard font for your credits. (laughs) Don't make them giant. Don't make them silly
1: fonts. (laughs)
0: Unless they're your primary credits for your main stars and they're not scrolling credits.
1: So the older sister... A bunch of times says things like, I've got a splitting headache. Yeah. I've got a killer headache. Uh Uh-huh. But is that how she dies? I don't remember how she dies. Because we kept thinking she was going to die by something in the head. But I feel like that was, that didn't go anywhere.
0: I don't remember how she died. I don't remember either.
1: But her friend and her get in the huge fight. And this was hilarious. So Chris turns to me. So these two girls get in an argument. What do they get in an argument about?
0: You are an entitled bitch.
1: But I can't remember what they were arguing Because he about. was
0: like, oh, I, I expected a ring and da-da-da-da-da. do not you think it's appropriate?
1: Oh, like- no, it's because I was expecting a ring. I expect it to be expensive because of his dad. Uh-huh. Like, it was really – she was being a brat. She yeah. She being a shitty and brat. And then her,
0: her friend called her out on it.
1: Because she is a bad hangover and she's no, not and, willing to and listen. And
0: said the sort of thing you say to somebody – when you actually can't stand them and you've been putting on a pretense this entire time.
1: So that was what Chris said to me. So I said to Chris, you've clearly never heard girl best friends get in an argument because this is
0: the shit that we say to each other. You are awful. and You should be <laughs> ashamed of yourself. <laughs> when you watch that and you're like, oh, these people really don't like each other. Like this this girl can't stand this fucking woman. And it's like... I,
1: and my response is, no, that's just how girls fight.
0: No, I've been mad at my best friends before. <laughs> like, that's nuts. <laughs> that is nuts. It's just the way girls are. No, that's unacceptable. You should be saying, it, it's really fucking awful, and girls shouldn't be like that. Of course! No of course one- I don't agree with it, but it's the way we are. So I'm saying, that's why you just don't say... Well, that's just girls. Girls will be
1: girls. Ha ha ha. But so they get into an argument, and she's going to go take a bath, and she says to her, Drown in there, okay? And then she and flips actually, her off or
0: something like that. But then
1: the girl actually does die.
0: Right. Yeah. And when she says, I'm sorry. She does. But they don't really establish the relationship between these two girls. Which is friends. The movie does not establish that before this point.
1: That's true. The
0: first time you see them interacting in any sort of earnestness is this scene where she's explaining how much of a C-word this other girl is. (laughs) So it's like I had no reason to think that they were best friends just in an argument.
1: Oh so while the girl's being murdered in the bathroom. The other chick with the hangover, the killer headache,
0: whatever, Emma
1: I is in that. the living room. Yeah, and we get
0: this. Oh shot. Oh my god! Get, There's like two of them.
1: Yes, we get these shots of her looking at something and we don't having get to this see what it is. Terrified look on her face, and then just cuts away. Yeah, and we don't ever find out what the fuck next she was time, looking at. Next
0: time we see her, she was just sleeping on the floor. Like we don't see how she was like <laughs> resolved. Like we don't know why she's. Concerned, We don't know what she's looking for. And we don't know what calmed her down enough to fall asleep. Yeah. We don't see any of that. Just all of a sudden, what's going on? And then cut away. And then come back and she just... Like, come on.
1: It was bizarre.
0: Multiple times and long lingering shots. She's
1: just like staring with her eyes all open and her mouth's agape and you're like, oh no, what's happening? And then nothing.
0: Like she just heard creaking upstairs when the house should be empty. (laughs) That kind of like, oh my God, there's somebody in the house with me. But we don't hear or see what it is and we never see a resolution to that. It's the weirdest fucking thing. (laughs)
1: Oh, so when we get the shot of her dead in the bathtub Mm -hmm. the first time, not when the other girl sees it, but when we see it, the audience, it does a long pan on the wall, and there's blood coming all the way down to the girl, and she's like, well, you can't see me, listeners, but (laughs) she's got her arms up on the sides of the bath. If you've ever seen the original version of It... The scene is reminiscent of how one of the characters from It in the second half, you haven't seen it yet, where one of the characters dies. Because we get this long shot of blood along the wall. A tile
0: wall in a bathroom. Yeah. And
1: we get to see the per- the character's head at the yeah, end. Uh-huh. It, I mean, did you agree?
0: Well, now that you mention it, absolutely. And if it wasn't, this person has seen It at least, I'm <laughs> sure. So, Kelsey, that was Dismembering Christmas what do you think it got on Rotten Tomatoes?
1: I imagine it doesn't have any like it the other one. It does
0: not have a critical review score. There are zero critical reviews just like, on Rotten Tomatoes. Just like Silent Night, Bloody Night, and it's happened before with another movie. I can't remember what it, it was. Was it
1: Home for the Holidays? It might
0: have been Home for the Holidays. But, Dismembering Christmas, what do you think the audience score was?
1: How many are there?
0: You can only. There are only two written reviews. <laughs> But I think the audience scores are rated based on a star system. Okay. And then it averages out the value of those stars.
1: I'm going to say 45.
0: 70%.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: But again, there might only be two reviews. I was on my mobile. (laughs) I love saying it that way. I was on my mobile. Hit me up on my mobile. (laughs) I was on my mobile and – I it didn't say the number of reviewers and when I click through there are only two written reviews. So, it might just be these two reviews, but if you look at like the slasher and horror blog sites that do like like film reviews and film news about horror movies and stuff, they tend to fucking love this movie. Like it's really really popular in the horror scene. Really? As, as much as a
1: I had never heard of it as before As much as
0: eleven thousand dollar indie movie can be. Remember also one of these sites says, Oh, this is one of the site's favorite movies, don't go to the reunion, you know. So it's like they're liking movies like that. We don't this is our exposure to some of these movies. We we might have never seen this movie if not for this podcast. True. Yeah. So it's ten bucks, I think. On Amazon, or you can buy a DVD or a VHS <laughs> through their website, which is slasherstudios.com. So please check them out. We're eventually going to be checking out Don't Go to the Reunion. We'll see how that goes.
1: <laughs> we will see.
0: But you would give it?
1: I would give it a 60 And that's not to say that you shouldn't see it. I really like this movie. I would tell a lot of my friends to see this.
0: I would give it a 50 based solely, I would say, on the merits of the brilliance that's lurking just under the surface all throughout this movie. There's definitely a future for certain people on this crew. I just don't know who it is.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'm giving it a sixty because of how much fun it was. Right. Yeah. How how interesting they did certain things.
0: That's what part of me wanted bumps it up to fifty for me. <laughs>
1: part of it wanted part of me wanted to go down. Yeah. A lot lower for the bad acting, the bad writing. But it
0: was just too much fun
1: and the p- terrible camera and sound quality. Right, the, the equipment. Was but, like, I, but taking into consideration the fact that it is a passion project, I mean, we're not doing anything right?
0: worth... This life. is what we're doing.
1: Yeah, this is... This is a passion project and we don't care how many people we have. I mean, we we love that we have listeners. Those of you who have listened to every episode, we thank you and you mean a lot to us. Wish you would email us. <laughs> but I mean, I, I do it because I love it and I know that's what these people did and I think that I think that gives them that 60 for me.
0: Sure. Yeah. If you sat through this whole thing, we we really do recommend that you see this movie. Yep. Because it is just, like, you have to see it to (laughs) to know what we're talking about. The good and the bad. (laughs) I would definitely recommend it. So that was 2015's Dismembering Christmas. Kelsey, what are we watching next week?
1: Next week we are watching
0: New Year's movies. Yeah.
1: And I'm really excited because we're going to start with 1980's Terror Train, which is one of my favorites. I love this movie. And 2007's The Signal.
0: The Signal, huh?
1: The Signal.
0: I have no idea what that is. Me neither. So that's next week. Until then, guys, why don't you follow us on Twitter, at Pod Cemetery, and you can email us at podcemetery at gmail dot com. Please do. We would like to hear from you and your thoughts on stuff we've already covered, thoughts on the movies we're about to cover. Like, if you have any thoughts on these next two movies, go ahead and email us and we'll talk about them during the episode. Until then, my name is Chris. My
1: name is Kelsey.
0: And as we say at the end of every episode of Pod Cemetery,
1: Tess, it's Marianne. I've come back.
0: Talk clearly into the mic for me.
1: Hello, my name is David Blaine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know, it popped into my head and it
1: went with it. <laughs>